Welcome to the Bad Roman Podcast. On this show, we talk with veterans, community leaders, Christians, and non-Christians as we explore the entanglement of Christians with the state. The Bad Roman Project was created out of the firm belief that as Christians, we are called to follow Christ, not the state. Here is your host, Craig Hargis. Hey, folks. We're going to try something a little different. I have been a huge advocate of promoting other projects on our platform and decided to do a series with other podcasters. Today, Matt of Expedition 44 joined me to tell us all about their project. And honestly, their podcast is one I have latched onto personally because the content is something we should all consider. Matt, how are you doing? Hey, how's it going, Craig? Thanks so much for having me on. It's uh, an honor to talk with you. Yeah, man, same here. I was, uh, I've was i been listening to y'all's podcasts. I think you reached out to me when you started listening to ours, and you were thanking me for the stuff we're doing, and, and you enjoy the podcast. And then you mentioned just having a podcast. I was like, well, what is it? Well, what's your podcast? You told me what it was, and I started listening to it. I listened to it quite a bit when I'm at the gym, and I, I like the, the stuff you guys are talking about. You know, there's a lot of things that, that you, you guys are mentioning on that on that show that you're not hearing even in church these days. And so give us a little background of yourself before we get into this. And I'm going to ask you what possessed you to start a podcast, because after everything you see with the podcast, what goes into, it, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into it. But give us a little background of yourself. Yeah. So, um, well, my name is Matt. Um, I live in Wisconsin. And I, I'm i a worship pastor at uh, a non-denominational church. Um, you and I were talking the other day. It's, I guess if you were to flavor it, it would be kind of a mix of Baptist and Pentecostal. So, Bapticostal. <laughs> so, um, which is very, very, I guess, even evangelical. I know you grew up or your tradition is Southern Baptist and that. So, may it may remind you of your earlier life in Christianity. Yeah, so I'm a father of four, been married to my wife for 16 years, um, love music, um, a theology geek. I'm working on my my doctorate in New Testament right now. Um, maybe by the time this is published, maybe I'll have that. <laughs> I'm right at the end. Uh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and I hope it's not a train. Um <laughs> But that's 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 kind of a little bit about about me. Um, so Expedition Forty Four is the name of the podcast that I co-host, and I actually didn't start it. Uh, my co-host Ryan, he wasn't able to join us today. His, um, his kids' soccer game or something got got changed around, and we have a event that a discipleship event that we're doing tonight, and so um, the stars didn't align for him to come on here. But he's the one who actually founded it, and. Um, Ryan is, um, he's actually, he's the head, the chair, head chair of biblical studies and theology at Covenant Theological Seminary in uh, Greenfield, North Carolina, I believe it is. And that's where I'm getting my PhD through as well. Uh, So he's my doctoral supervisor, but he started the podcast and then he came to one of the Bible studies I was doing at church and liked the content of what I was teaching. And he invited me and we had been friends for a while, like our our kids play together. Our, my wife and his wife are good friends. And so he he and I have known of each other and hung out quite a bit. And 
So he invited me to come on and do an episode with him and kind of that's where it went from there. I We've been now doing, he and I have been doing episodes together for about two and a half years, I believe. Yeah, it started out as a YouTube, um, specifically YouTube, and that's where a bigger following that we have is. But I kind of took on putting it in audio form, just putting the audio out on basically any podcast app that you can listen on, Spotify, Apple, Google, whatever, after that. So yeah, we uh, like our big mantra is that we don't like to leave any rock unturned as we do our, we, we just do Bible studies on going through books, doing topical stuff, and just seeing like, what does the Bible say for itself in its own culture? Both he and I are huge into the ancient context of what did this mean in, to the original audience and how can we interpret that today? Now, let me ask you about the name Expedition 44 before we go to, you know, get into some of those topics. I'm really kind of curious and I've had people, uh, Talia, who's joined the project to work on as an assistant to our producer. And she was really kind of curious about the name. You sent me y'all's website the other day and you actually just told me about it before I even had a chance to ask you. So Tell us a little bit about what that means. What is Expedition 44? Where did y'all come up with that from? Yeah, so this is actually kind of uh, Ryan, my the co-host. Uh, he, he, he kind of initially came up with this, but it, it kind of means a lot to both of us. And um, well, an expedition is a journey. And we believe that salvation, uh, contrary to what it's usually framed as in the evangelical culture is just a moment or a decision, it's an entire journey and it's a way of life. Um, so that's kind of where it's framed at. Now, the 44 thing is interesting um, because there's a lot of it, a lot of instances and I guess ways that this connects back in the Bible. Um, specifically, like if you if you go and look at intertestamental literature, the writings between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's this group called the Essenes, um, which is the Dead Sea Scroll community. And they called themselves the Sons of Light um, and gave themselves the number 22. And they were the ones who saw that all the Jews were entangled in society and entangled with the Romans and entangled with their, the improper worship in the temple. And so they, they, they separated themselves from society. I mean, not completely like that they weren't going to participate in stuff, but from the mindset and the systems of the world, they, they saw that they they were separate. And they gave themselves, they called themselves the sons of light. They gave themselves the number 22. There's also a concept in the Bible of a double portion. So it's when you bring your gifts, when you bring what you have to the Lord, lay it on the altar, and he does innumerably more with it than what you could yourself. And so we're asking God that for our set apartness to take on a double portion. That's 44. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. And there's tons of 44s in the Bible. Like Ryan, he he rebuilds four by four Jeeps. Um, I have four kids. He has four kids. <laughs> so it, it kind of is is kind of cool. So that's it. and it's a whole it's a whole mindset of being all in disciples for Jesus. Yeah, that that's the expedition 44 mindset. So what happens if y'all have another kid? Um, I don't think that's going to happen to either of us. <laughs> We're both fixed. Okay. <laughs> Didn't mean to get personal. I just it's, it's all good. It's like, do we change it from Expedition 44 to 55? No, we still 45, do we do? Or 45 or 46, or we just keep ratcheting up the number? That's funny. No, yeah, I, that's, I do, we do have uh, my wife and I host foreign exchange students each year, and so 
Um, we do kind of have five kids, even though they're not. There you go. We got to yeah. change the name now. It's Ex- yeah. Expedition 45 now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's, there's a couple of things I want to get into or talk to you about. Um, one of y'all's episodes was on uh, the church and nationalism. Mm-hmm. And this is a hot topic that we talk about quite a bit on the Bad Roman podcast. Okay. And it's because it's something, it's a, it's a, a source of frustration for me personally when, uh, you know, talking with uh, pastors who cannot seem to get this. I've even had pastors tell me, yes, you're right, but yep. I can't say that in church. I don't want to hear that. That's when I become more frustrated. Why can't you say it in church? Because you're afraid to drive down the numbers. You're trying, you're afraid to have empty seats in your church. Uh-uh. Man, that, that, that really grinds my gears. I can't tell you how much it grinds my gears, but I was listening to this episode and I told you this, uh, what, what's his name? Steve, the guy you were having a discussion with. Yeah. Yeah. Pa- pa- Pastor Steve Castle. Okay. Great guy. Sounds like a great guy all, all, all around. And I thought you did very well in this in this discussion. And I told you some of the stuff he was saying sounded very familiar to me from stuff I've heard from other pastors. And so it was very, if he listens to this, don't take this the wrong way. But a lot of what he was saying was very cringy to me because I've heard so much of it from, you know, your, your average American pastor. I mean, we see it so much in this, in this country when it comes to uh, the entanglement of the Christian with the state. Yep. You know, and pastors, in my opinion, should be taking the lead behind the pulpit and talking about this, you know, and saying, listen, there's no king but Christ, but it's not happening. You know, a lot of pastors get behind a pulpit and advocating for one candidate or another, depending on which side they come from. And this, this not, there's nothing about that in, in the Bible. There's nothing about that. It, there's no evidence from that from the early church. And matter of fact, if you, if you take the early church very seriously and read the stuff very seriously, you see very quickly that they had no interest in the Roman empire. They had nothing to, they wanted nothing to do with it. You go read the, the, the works of uh, origin or Tertullian. Mm-hmm. They were very outspoken about the, the Roman empire and how and Tertullian said, I say this all the time. The affairs of the state is completely foreign to us. Yeah. I will not take part in your meetings. I'm not an occupier of the voting booth. You know, and then, you know, there's, there's all this stuff from the early church and it's just glossed over these days. And once, once that, the entanglement happened with Constantine. The 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 image of the church changed, in my opinion. It, you could see you could see it changed. It, it, they're so corrupted, and we, it's just gotten worse. And people are, you know, a lot of churches are trying to seek power through the state. Why? I want to talk about that episode a little bit because what started the the conversation? Why did y'all want to have this conversation? Because y'all were coming at it from two different angles. Yeah. Steve, Steve is actually a good, good friend of mine. <laughs> he, he is, he's, uh, he's connected to Expedition 44. If you go back in kind of our archives, he's been on quite a few episodes and, um, I think he has a pretty decent theological foundation. He's like over the years I've known him, he's, he's grown a ton there and, and he's a great guy. I mean, the guy's just on fire for Jesus. Um, so I'm not going to say anything bad about him or his character at all. I, I disagree with him on the hit, the way that he approaches um, nationalism, especially with with Christianity, because I, I completely agree with you. There's there's no basis in the Bible for a Christian to be entangled with the state um, or be seeking power or or, or any of that. It, it's just baseless when it comes to a, 
a reading of scripture that, I mean, that you both you and I hold to that Christ is our king. He, there's no king but Christ. That That's kind of our, our mantra on Expedition 44 as well, is that there's, there's no king but Christ. And we're not completely just a podcast about, about politics, but politics comes into your theology so much. And so we do comment on it a lot throughout any of our episodes. You'll hear us make political jabs against the people that are entangled with the state. Um, yeah, so with with Steve, our conversation was more that Ryan, who's the host, he's been great friends with Steve for a while, and I've met Steve, Pastor Steve, through through Ryan. Um, and Ryan wanted to say, "Hey, uh, let's let's have a conversation about about these these things, and just having a conversation. It wasn't a debate." And so he just asked, "Like, all right, so let's hear two sides of the story." Kind of is what it was, because like, yeah, Steve's an on fire. Like he's on fire for Jesus, so am I. We we both claim that Christ is our our King, but we have different views when it comes to the state, and so that's kind of the the whole view of that. And yeah, I would say that Steve does sound like a lot of the the modern um, pastors these days who are are just very very entangled. Um, seeing that, I think the big thing that came out in that conversation is that. Um, yeah, that that was Rome back then, and they were under like a king. But we have representative government today. They just didn't call them presidents back then. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's the, the I mean, you can change the title, but it's still the same concept. You know, it's the same thing. You know, when like in First Samuel eight, when Israel's demanded a king, I've had this conversation with folks too. When, when I would bring up First Samuel eight, they're like, "We don't even have king today." Mm-hmm. I said, "Yes." Okay, they weren't back in First Samuel eight demanding a president. Yeah, they were demanding a king, which is the same thing. When you go to the voting booth demanding a king, it's the same thing. Yeah, they just use this. It's just different words. I mean, but it's the same concept. Yeah, so it comes down. It comes down to the issue of authority. Um, where in the Bible, like uh, Ryan and I always say, like one of our other mantras on our podcast is it begins with Eden and it ends with Eden, and on the first two pages of the Bible and the last two pages of the Bible is where you find God's ideals. Everything in the middle is messed up. <laughs> I love that. I've never heard. I've never looked at it that way. I never even heard it put that way. But I love that. Yeah. So you have on day six, God creates humankind to be in His image. In the ancient world, one who imaged the the God was was the king. But here's the thing: man and women are both the image of God, so it's equality. Neither one has authority over each other. They're given authority over the creatures and the earth and the plants. And that's what they're given authority over. So humans aren't supposed to have authority over each other. Even when Eve is made out of Adam in Genesis 2, out of the side, um, most say rib. That's a horrible translation. I I would say it's side. Um, It's Salah, which always in the Old Testament refers to like one side of the Ark of the Covenant versus the other. One side of the temple versus the other. One side of a hill versus the other. It's almost like God cut Adam in half and made Eve. They're two parts of one whole. Huh. So there's no authority there. Yeah, you mentioned my Southern Baptist upbringing or, or time in Southern Baptist. I heard that, I always heard that about the about the rib. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 horrible. Like it's not it's not a bad translation of the Hebrew because it is the side. And like, if God wanted Adam to be the authority, wouldn't he have like maybe made Eve out of his feet or something like that? But instead, of it's out of his side. So humans aren't supposed to have authority over other humans. They're supposed to work together and. Rule and reign creation is God's ambassadors. I like that. I like that. 
Yeah, the last pages of the Bible, you see the same thing. You see us under God, and that was the same thing. Like men and women under God in in Eden. At the end, it's all of humanity under the Lamb. So everything in between is messed up. <laughs> I, I love that. Yep, it's it's not God's <laughs> ideal. You, we we should look at Genesis one and two and Reve- and the end of Revelation is God's ideals, and that should also inform our politics. Right. And you said that a while ago, too, that, you know, your podcast doesn't focus a lot on, you know, all the time on politics, but it does come into the discussion. You know, it's it's something that I've had conversations with folks on this show before. You know, we're, we're going to be outspoken about the, the empire, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean we participate in the empire. Yeah. We're not ignorant to the fact that it exists. We're, we're not ignorant to the fact that it's oppressive. Mm hmm. And we're going to have a very strong opinion about it, but it does not mean we support it or get entangled with it. You know, we get involved with it because we already have a king. You know, we're not a we're not an American. We're a Christian, a follower of Christ. We're just we're just passing through. You know, we're just ambassadors from another king kingdom. Yeah, we are. That's the way we should look at the United States government or Australia or Germany or Canada, wherever you are at in this world, listening to this podcast right now. That's how you should view your 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 government. The government in your country is that's their kingdom. You already belong. You belong to a totally different kingdom, and it's the best kingdom that we can imagine. Yeah, exactly. And one other thing that you can look at is in Genesis three, um, when the the whole thing in Genesis three after the I would say rather than the fall, the defilement of creation is the way I like to see it, it more because there's multiple falls. If you look. If you read the Old Testament, they're falling on every other page. Um, so, but the defilement, the original defilement of creation, the consequences of that, and it's not God necessarily cursing the humans, the ground is being cursed, but he's saying that what, what happens when you go this way, when you usurp God's authority and you um, eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, is it resulted in men ruling over women. That wasn't God's ideal. That was the consequence of the defilement. That wasn't God's ideal in Genesis 1 and 2. And so when we have humans ruling over other humans, it's part of the defilement, not part of God's ideals. That <laughs> that topic gets people up and up in arms sometimes, you know, when you talk about oh, yeah. We have a whole series on women in ministry, and Ryan and I are both very pro like women in ministry and um, using their gifts in the church. You know what? You know what? Um I'm sad that Ryan's on here because I'd like to really kind of get on that topic a little bit. Maybe I can just get y'all back on. We can talk about it now because that, yeah. since we're just talking about Expedition 44 and what y'all talk about, let's talk about that a little bit while I got you. You brought it up. Let's talk about that because that topic right there is something that I've, I debate the entanglement with the state with folks and this, this idea that women should not be doing anything in the church or they should be quiet in church and stuff. And this is, this really frustrates people for some reason when I bring it up it's it's some it's a point that was that I made it was, I don't know if it was right after Easter or what but it was not men who Jesus sent to tell the others of the good news of his resurrection he sent women because all the men were hiding yeah <laughs> why are we not talking about that yeah I, you know, know the idea that women should not be out, have a voice in the church is mad I used to believe that garbage. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe sometimes I wonder if it's a mistranslation of what Paul was talking about in the New Testament or 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 maybe just Paul got it wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Let's talk about it a little bit. I don't think Paul got it wrong. I think Paul is um, very egalitarian. 
I do think he is. And so I'm my, a lot of my focus of my studies is on Paul. And um, so part of what I think the big confusion is, is not looking at the the Bible through, like I said, the, the ideals are at, are the bookmarks of the Bible, the, the ends, you know, the, the beginning and the end is what, what, what God's ideal is. And what we see in Jesus. So if in Genesis three in the, subjugation of women or whatever, or however you want to read that text there is reversed in Jesus, then how should we live if we are kingdom cells and recreated humans like here now, you know, our, our church should be a reflection of here and now the kingdom of God on earth. And if that was part of the fall or the defilement, then why, why would we want to keep part of the defilement in our churches, you know that that's the whole question. So I think the big text that always gets thrown out is First Timothy chapter two, where it talks about um, I do not permit a woman to speak in church or whatever to or to have authority over over men. I don't have the text right here in front of me, but I've talked about this enough that I can spout it off kind of the top of my head. And that's what a lot of people be like. Oh well, we'll see there. That's. Uh, that's Paul saying that w- women can't lead, women can't teach, women can't do this, that, or the other in the church. And it, it's completely wrong. You have to look at the, the whole letter of 1 Timothy as a whole. 1 Timothy, I believe it's chapter 1, verse 7, talks about the whole issue that he's writing is about false teaching in the church. So the false teaching that is, is myths and endless genealogies. If you look at the historical context of Artemis there, they had a, like basically an all-woman cult there that and so the women were used to leading because of that but what if they're being converted into christianity and they still have this worldly mindset coming into the church and actually no one should have authority over anybody in the church because right before this paul yells at the men for being angry and then he goes and talks to the women next so paul's an equal opportunity offender (laughs) in the text and so what, what he's saying there is um that at this time if you look at the con- the um, the Greek grammar, when he says, I do not permit a woman to teach in church, it's not a command in Greek. So what he is saying, there is one command in the text, and that is that a woman must learn. And so what's the, what's the posture of a student? Someone who's quiet and submissive, right? And so he's saying, basically, the whole point of 1 Timothy 2 is that the women are being converted into Christianity maybe from a pagan background, and they're trying to um, basically teach before they've learned. You shouldn't teach before you've learned, right? I mean, that's common sense. And so that's the whole thing there. So he's saying, I do not permit at this time is what I believe a better translation is because it's not in the perfect tense in Greek, which would mean from now to forever. (laughs) You know, like when Jesus says it is finished on the cross, that's in perfect tense. Like it's a noun for everything. So one, it's not a command. Two, it's it's not an ongoing thing in the Greek grammar. And so what Paul is saying is that, hey, the women, you need to learn before you teach. And that's the whole context of it there. Now you're familiar with Keith Giles. Y'all have had him on, on your show as well. Um, and he's, he talks about this stuff quite a bit. He, he, he lays it out. He's got he's got an episode. I think it's one of his. Uh, yeah. He's got, it sounds like he's got a hundred different podcasts that he's doing, but he's with one of the second cup with uh, Keith, I think is what it's called. And he's got an episode on about, all there about this topic and he just lays it all out. Mm-hmm. And he shows proof after proof after proof of, of women 
leading in a church or not maybe leading is the wrong word, but being teachers in the church, you know, participating in the church. So it really conflicts with what mm -hmm. the way people understand what Paul was saying. And you just laid it out right there, too. This is actually what Paul's talking about. Yeah. And then First Corinthians 14 is the other one. And where it says that basically women be quiet in church and go home and ask your husbands, basically. I mean, the thing is that women in the ancient world needed to be caught up because of the that time in society, women weren't as educated as men. Women stayed home at that time. So Paul's not saying women, you can't teach. Now, the thing is, like if I it was giving a message and people kept interrupting in church, that would that would hinder the the learning of the rest of the body, right? And so what he's saying is, wives, I do want you to learn. Don't interrupt. The other thing is that whole context there, those couple verses in 1 Corinthians 14, um, if you want to get really geeky with it, appear in a whole bunch of different spots in Romans 14 in different manuscripts. So some think it could be a scribal error or scribal writing in the column that made it into the text. Really? Philip Payne in his uh, book, uh, Men and Women, One in Christ, has about 30 to 50 pages on this where he was hands-on with the manuscripts. Huh. We have a whole episode on it in our, our Women in Ministry series. Hey folks, Craig here. And I'd like to let y'all know we are always looking for writers to contribute to our blog. I don't care if you have any experience or not. Two or three of our contributors have no prior experience writing, and it turns out they have a real knack for it. Our project coordinator helps them put the articles together, and she publishes them on our website and Facebook page, and you will also have the option to come on the show and go more in-depth about your article. So if you like what we're doing at The Bad Roman and would like to try your hand at writing, then send us an email at thebadromanpodcast at gmail.com. We're having a blast with this project, and we would love for you to join us in helping promote it. Now back to the show. Now, let's let's shift gears a little bit. You sent me a couple of pieces the other day from y'all's website that uh, Ryan wrote, right? Yeah. One was on voting and one was on Romans 13. All right. We've kind of covered voting a little bit earlier in the show. You, you were talking about Romans 13 a little bit while I got you? Yeah. Why not? I'm writing my dissertation on it. Okay. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> So when you read Romans 13, or and you know, this is something that is used all the time when folks, when we're saying no king but Christ, and they use Romans 13, that's always the first go-to, right? Like you can see it coming from a mile away. Oh, yeah. Why don't you lay it down the way you see Romans 13 for anybody on the fence right now listening right now? When you see Romans 13, when it's because I've got my idea about it, how I view it, because to me, the words submit and obey are two different words. And if you look at the two words in the Greek, they're two different words. There's two different definitions. And so in Romans 13, when it says submit, and then in Acts 5, it says obey. Okay, that's the way I see it. And that's when we first started this project. And when I was really trying to, because I kept getting hit with Romans 13, Romans 13. So I really had to dig into it and see, like, what is going on here? Why do they keep using that? And I just had to pin down those, those, those two words right there and see that there's a difference here. Oh, now it makes sense to me. Now I can explain this better. But why don't you lay it out for us and tell us what you think is going on there with Romans 13. Yeah, I'm going to pull it up here on my, my phone quick as we're going through it. But I, I would say that Romans 13 needs to be um, read in light of Romans 12. Right. So, And that's one thing that a lot of people, people miss is, I mean, 
the chapter breaks and everything weren't weren't put in until centuries later. So they would have read this as a full-flowing document. Romans is divided up. Paul has a couple different discourses where you can see natural breaks in it. So like Romans 1 through through 3 and maybe 4 in there and then 5 through 8 and then 9 through 11 is is a different chunk there and then he has 12 through 16 in Romans and all of those sections need to be read as literary units. And it's not just chapter by chapter, verse by verse thing. It's that's the uh, the whole context of it. So when it, when it says going off of that, like basically in Romans chapter twelve, I think it's seventeen verse seventeen on. Basically, Paul's recapping the Sermon on the Mount. He's giving a whole re- re- recap of the Sermon on the Mount, which is obviously those are our marching orders, the words of Jesus, right. you know, as right. Christians. Um, so we need to see can can this line up with the Sermon on the Mount, the love your neighbor as yourself, the turn the other cheek, to leave vengeance to God, to go the extra mile, all, all of those things that Jesus said about loving our enemy. How does that fit into Romans 13? Because they can't contradict. I, like Paul's not contradicting himself five sentences later. So I would say you're absolutely right when it says to submit to, and it says governing authorities there. Um, I'll get to that in a minute. But submit, like you said, Hupitasso is the Greek word, which means submit. And I say, I believe submit, um, and I can back this up. You can look elsewhere too, is it, it's voluntary yielding is the way I define it. Like, <laughs> it's your voluntarism. <laughs> but hupakaio means obey, and that's not in the text. Hupakaio is only used in the Bible t- toward God. We obey God. I don't know if I've mentioned this to you in, in our conversations on the phone or in messaging. Are you, are you familiar with David Bentley Hart? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I got his uh, his New Testament translation. Yep. And this may not mean anything to, to folks, but for, it meant so much to me when I read. I went to Acts 5 because I just wanted to see how he put it, you know, how he translated it. You know, we read Acts 5 where it says we ought to obey God rather than man, or we are to obey God rather than man, depending on which translation. Mm -hmm. In this translation, it says it is necessary that we obey God rather than man. That one word necessary, like it was a punch in the face to me, like it just hit me, just that one word. And that, like I said, that might not mean anything to anybody else, but that one word for some reason just really highlighted the entire verse. I already believed it. I believed what it it said, but that word necessary for some reason changed it. Uh, it made it even more made it made it stronger for me than than what it said prior to what we're used to reading. Yeah, yeah, it makes it a whole lot stronger based on how you translate it. Right that way, but now I would say that's a very accurate translation. I mean, obviously, David Bentley Hart is way better at Greek than me. <laughs> and, but I like the what you said about Romans thirteen that you have to read it in light of Romans twelve. Mm-hmm. You know, when when they drop these. The Romans 13 argument, they read the first seven verses, Romans 13, and then they go away. They don't continue reading. They didn't read prior to the first seven verses of Romans 13. It reminds me of the same argument about using a gun for self-defense, that this is the argument I get from folks, too. It's like, well, Jesus said, buy a sword. Yeah, he did say that. You're correct. He did say that. But why did he say that? Are you going to continue reading? He said, buy a sword. That means I should go buy a nine millimeter and carry it around with me defending myself. That's not what he was saying. Because what happened when Peter cut the Roman soldier's ear off? Jesus healed him right away and said, put it away. Killed him. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say use it like that. I mean, that it's so, it, I don't understand that. 
I think that's why there's so much confusion among Christians when it comes to the Bible, because they it's like you pick and choose what you want to use in the Bible to fit your narrative, and you're not reading the thing as a whole. Mm-hmm. It's not like Paul was walking around saying, using the verses of Romans 13, 1 through 7, and then he just stopped talking all of a sudden. Yep. No. And it's not like that's the first time he ever said anything. You know, read before Romans 13. Yep. Read what Jesus was saying when he said, buy a sword. Why did he say buy a sword? And there's another argument. Well, what did Jesus do whenever he went into the temple? He was using a whip. I said, did he hit anybody with that whip? There's no evidence. And a matter of fact, Jason Porterfield lays this out great in his book where he says he wasn't even chasing human beings. He was chasing animals out of the temple. Yeah, the, the, whip, the whip was a common tool by the shepherds to drive animals. Yes. <laughs> the text doesn't even say he hit the animals. <laughs> right, right. And he said, and Jason was talking about in that episode when, when Abby was helping. Um, he said, if you look at what this actual whip was, he said, I made one. I ordered the materials I made. He said, my children were laughing at me. thinking that's not a whip. <laughs> you know, they got this. You, you see these images of Jesus chasing people with a whip and turning over the tables. You know, I said, yeah, he got angry, but he got angry without sinning. He got angry without hitting anybody with that whip, you know, or actually, you know, shooting somebody or cutting somebody's ear off. You know, it's, it's a difference. He got angry about the extortion. Right. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the way Jason was talking about it in that episode, he said, you had one side of the temple that was set up for the Jews and the other side was set up for the Gentiles. Well, the Jews had turned the Gentile side into a barn, basically. It was full of animals. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was like, I'm not going to have any of this garbage. And he started chasing the animals out of it. I mean, and I mean, it's, that's one thing that gets so frustrated for me when you're talking to folks. It's like, just keep reading. Where did you go? Where did you, how did you come to this conclusion? Because somebody behind a pulpit told you, or your, your, your fellow uh, churchgoer told you this, or did you read it yourself? Did you take it all into context? What is actually happening here? And they're, they're not. That's another thing that I that, that I that I wish Christians would get away from is relying so heavily on somebody behind a pulpit. You have the ability to read, read this stuff yourself. You have the God gave you the ability to learn these things, learn this stuff yourself. It's going to make more sense to you because we're human beings. We can lead one another astray if we have false, you know, tenses, you know, or, or intentions, you know. So. Come on, man. You know, back in that day, too, that's another thing. A lot of the folks couldn't even read. It was like less than 2% of the population couldn't read. So when they they were hearing about Jesus from by word of mouth, and they were flocking to him, to tell me that people would not know about Jesus without the Bible, to me, is asinine. Because they were hearing about Jesus back then by word of mouth. Are you telling me that we wouldn't be talking about Jesus today if it wasn't for the Bible? I've had that argument so many times from folks, too. You wouldn't know anything about Jesus if it wasn't for the Bible. I said, that's, that's, that's baloney. Yep. I heard about Jesus from my grandmother and my mom. Yep, it's word of mouth. You know? I mean, <laughs> even talks about in 2 Timothy. I mean, Timothy learned everything from his mother and grandmother. Right. It's interesting when you dig into the oral tradition stuff. I just, come on, guys. We can do better. Mm-hmm. We can do better. I mean, you're going to, you cannot put Jesus in a box or the mm-hmm. Bible and just, and just contain him there. There's so much more about it. Yeah. And I mean, he said he sent the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To, t- to think that we're not still learning this as we go. Somebody's talking to us. You know, I mean, you can read the Bible and there's a lot of great stuff in the Bible. But there's still, you got a conscience going on. There's somebody talking to you. You know right from wrong. 
you know, you know if it looks like Jesus or if it doesn't look like Jesus. I mean, it's yeah. He sent you somebody to tell you that. I mean, he's he's always there, regardless. So, wow. I just went on a tangent. Yeah. So if we go back to Romans thirteen, let me uh let let me pitch another version that maybe we could read this. Okay. A lot of like our view of Romans thirteen one to seven revolves around um, the word governing authorities. Yes. And so governing authorities, that, that word there, yes, it's used in Josephus as the Roman Empire, but it's really just a common word for anyone who has authority. So are they talking about the government or is he just talking about some other kind of authority? And now in the Roman government, if I think the other thing is we need to, like, the Bible was written in a historical context to a, his, a historical audience. And what would this word have meant to them is the thing. And so you need to look at like the cultural context of, of this. And it's written to a people in Rome. And so a few things in this tip me off to think maybe Paul isn't talking about the government. Or at least not in the way that we think he's talking about the government. And so I think here, um, if you look at kind of the historical layout of Rome, and this started in Augustus and was still true at the time that this was written, is there were multiple layers of governmental authority in, in Rome. While Rome was about, was over a million people at this time. It was divided up into four, I think it was four districts and 250-something neighborhoods, or 14 districts and 250-something neighborhoods which is interesting. And over each neighborhood, you would have what was called a Vico magistrate. It, I mean, they weren't really a governmental authority, but they were somebody placed there by, by Rome to, um, to care for the grain distribution, the fire, and po- I guess neighborhood watch. It wasn't really policing because you didn't have Roman guards walking through there. And that, from what we know, and the upkeep of the of the neighborhood shrine, which would be kind of to possibly worship the emperor. It was mainly it wasn't really worship the emperor. It was mainly the whoever the the patron god of whatever that guild or people. And they would have these conquered people that they would place in these neighborhoods. And so we know of four different neighborhoods that the Jews and Christians likely lived in. And they had like maybe conquered Egyptians or something else that would be or other um, peoples that would be along with them. And so the other thing is when Nero took the throne, um, he eliminated um, the tax, the tribute tax to those who lived in Rome. And so when it talks about taxes later, like what's he talking about if people this is written to a people in Rome and they didn't pay taxes because that was tribute from the colonies or not colonies, but the other conquered nations funded Rome. And so they didn't tax the people that lived in the city of Rome. And we know the letter of Romans is written to people living in Rome. So that changes the whole perspective, doesn't it? When you do it that way. Let me ask you something. And I've heard this before about Romans 13. It was something that was said to me on our show very early on. I had a, his name's Kevin Craig. I had him on the show. We had a, did a, a, a show about the 4th of July. And we were talking about Romans 13, and he said they understood, and I don't know if it's gov- the governing authorities or there was another word used there. He said they understood that to mean demons back in the day. Have you heard this before? Is this is that new to you or is that? Yeah, the word uh, authorities, and I don't have like 
my Greek text in front of me, but it's ex- exousia yes. is what it means. And, it, and it's one of Paul's catchphrases for um, demonic powers that are behind the government. Okay. So that's not something that I'm making up out of thin air. You ha- you, you've heard this. No. Yeah. If, if I believe it shows up and this is just off the top of my head, I don't have it in front of me. So uh, you can check me on this. <laughs> you all out there listening. Um, I believe it's Ephesians six where it says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. I believe that that word is used there. Um, Romans 8, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not powers or authorities. That's another one. Um, I think 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where it says, where it's talking about the wisdom of God and the wisdom of this world. And it says that basically the when we exercise the wisdom of God, that it shows the principalities and powers that they're coming to nothing. Um, I think that's the same word there, uh, like exousia, or at least there, there are all, all of those phrases are things that Paul connects together, at least for sure. I know that. Um, and it's all stuff that he believes is the animating power behind empires is, is the evil principalities and powers, which, uh, demons. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, that, that ought to open some folks eyes when you're going to use Romans 13 as an, as your argument. As your it's your defense of uh, voting or being entangled with the empire because mm-hmm. I mean if if they understood it back then as being demons and I mean it's not like Jesus told Satan no you don't have the authority over the kingdoms of this world I mean and when Satan said that that should be an eye opener for people running to the polls to vote or running to run for office and all this stuff because you're being backed by demons and Satan himself. Yeah, and this goes back to Deuteronomy 32, verses 8 and 9, where um, Moses is recounting the Tower of Babel, and it says, when God divided up the nations amongst the sons of God, which is the principalities and powers, like he gave each one of them their inheritance, which is the pagan nations, but chose Israel as his own. Before I let you go, I want to I want to I want to throw something at you real quick that I've been kind of mulling around in my head a little bit when it comes to first Samuel eight. And it's something I've had conversations with, you know, privately with other folks a little bit talking about it because at the time of this recording, we're leading into the the midterms in America, right? And so we did we're, we've been doing a whole series of episodes on voting leading into that because like stay away, follow Jesus, no king but Christ, right? When it comes to first Samuel eight, I know how where I fall down on this. I've come to the conclusion that voting in itself is a sin. Okay. And we can look at it in a couple of different ways because first of all, Jesus said, you see how the Gentiles lord over one another. It will not be the same among you. Okay. And he's talking to us, right? He's not just talking to the Jews. He's talking to all of us that follow him, right? It will not be the same among you. Okay. And in first Samuel eight, when Samuel was stressed out over what was going on with the Israelites, when they were demanding a king, God himself said, they didn't reject you. They're rejecting me. Okay. And if rejection of God is not a sin, then I don't know what a sin is anymore. And I, that's my, I don't know if that sounds harsh to folks or not. I don't know how you take that, but that's just where I've come down on it because, and I, this is Craig talking to Craig. Okay. It's not me saying you, this, you should do this because Craig said this, but I don't want, I don't, I don't want to come across that way. It's just where I come down on it. I do a lot of things in my life that is not going to be pleasing in the eyes of God. I, I'm aware that I'm a human being. I'm, I'm going to screw up every once in a while, right? I'm still working on some stuff. Now, this one for, for me is simple. 
I can stay home on voting day and take a nap. I like to sleep. I'm a huge fan of sleep, okay? I would much rather sleep than go put somebody in power over my neighbor. So this is very this is a very simple sin to avoid, <laughs> in my opinion. But I don't know where you, I, I'm kind of curious where you fall down on it. You don't have to answer if you don't want to, if it's uncomfortable, but because it's kind of an uncomfortable conversation for some folks, because it really they're not used to hearing that kind of stuff. I, I don't from what I can tell when I have these conversations, they it's like they've never heard this before. No, I'm totally comfortable talking about this. Um actually tomorrow morning, we'll be recording tomorrow morning. I don't know when it, it'll I think it'll be released like Obviously, you're releasing this one a little in the future, but it would have been released back by around the midterms. Is I'm having another discussion with Pastor Steve um, that Ryan is moderating. It's not a debate, just a discussion. We're all friends. <laughs> and it's about voting. Like He's taking the side that Christians should vote. I'm taking the side that Christians shouldn't. Um, so coming to 1 Samuel 8, one of the things that I will be mentioning in that, hopefully, um, is, is that basically the exact argument that you made is that and notice when the elders of Israel come and ask Samuel this before God is even, or before they've even appointed a king, God is saying it's a rejection of him. So it's the desire to have a king, not necessarily the king itself is the rejection of God. It's the desire to do it, which is interesting. So if we're desiring to have somebody other than God to be our king, that's a sin. And what is voting? The desire to put somebody in power over us, right? Desire to put somebody in power over our neighbor. The somebody desire to have somebody make laws for for us that we might not agree with. The desire to that to put somebody there that's going to lie and cheat and make war and all of this stuff and take lives. I mean, that's a rejection of God. And what is sin itself if it's not a rejection of God? That's kind of my. That's kind of where I come down on it, man. I mean, I just. Uh... I, you've listened to the show, so you know that I don't really pull any punches, and I'm I'm pretty outspoken on the things I believe, whether people latch onto it or not. I can't I can't really help that, and I mean, I'm not much of an ear tickler. <laughs> but I, I would be a horrible pastor, I think, <laughs> because I'm, I get up there and say what you want me to say because I'm not. I mean, I mean, if it's just if it means I would have one person in the in the in the sanctuary listening to me, then that's probably what's going to happen because I'm just I'm not. So I have not really, I'm not hesitant. I haven't really talked about it that in that uh, aspect on the show until now, but it's because it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately when we started doing these episodes about voting and leading into the midterms. And I, I just, I don't know, man, I sit around and think about this stuff a lot. I got too much time on my hands. Maybe, maybe if I'd, maybe if I get myself busy with some other stuff, I wouldn't think about this stuff so much, but it just, it's something that I couldn't get out of my brain. I kind of wanted to, to run it by you just to see, cause I'm, I have a lot of respect for the work you guys are doing. I've really enjoyed uh, listening to Expedition 44. I've started it, you know, with the newer stuff. I haven't made my way back, you know, to some of y'all's older episodes. But guys, folks, if y'all are listening to this and you have not heard of Expedition 44, go check this podcast out. I mean, you, you will not be disappointed. They have some really good conversations on there that you're going to learn some stuff. You know, and that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to keep, we're trying to figure this stuff out as we go and Expedition 44 can uh, certainly help you with that because they've got it going on over there. I mean, it's a, it's a great podcast. Matt, I'm, I don't want to keep you too much longer. I know you said your, your family's at a birthday party behind the house. So before they come back and start uh, disrupting you and, or <laughs> making noise, why don't I let you get out of here? Why don't you go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug? And then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for having on. I mean, 
Um, Expedition44.com is the website. You can look us up on YouTube, just Expedition44, all the different podcast apps. Um, Ryan and I are both part of uh, Covenant Theological Seminary. So if you're interested in some higher education, I kind of help build courses there. Ryan's one of the the, he's the head of biblical studies at it. I think it's gocovenant.net right now, but I don't know if they're changing the website or not, but I believe that that is it. Um, yeah, other than that, go check out some of the episodes that we uh, talked about here today. I think that we talked about some women in ministry stuff. If you want more on kind of my dissertation in Romans 13 and kind of an alternative view to that, we have an episode, I think it's called... Uh, um, Principalities, Powers, and Allegiances, I think it's called, um, where we go through that um, that whole topic of Romans 13 and kind of seeing that it's more of a conversation about what's going on in the neighborhoods rather than um, about how to love your neighbor, because that connects to Romans 12 well. Um, and yeah, other than that, that's uh, that's really about all. Um, Ryan, uh, the guy I do the podcast with, Dr. Ryan, he has uh, some books out. Uh, one of them is called This is the Way. Um, and he's got another one at this time forthcoming, his second part. And they're, they're just basically on Christian discipleship. And I think he does deal with uh, Christian nationalism in his first book, I know for sure. And it's just more walking the way of Jesus because we our desire at Expedition 44 is to just see people as all in disciples with no king but Christ. I love it. I love it. All right, buddy. I'm going to let you get out of here and go enjoy the rest of your Sunday. It's a nice day out here in Memphis. So I'm going to go enjoy some. I'm going to do some grilling when we get down here. I got some chicken thawing. I've got some ribeyes thawing right now. So I'm going to throw those on the grill and, and, and get ready for some football as well. All right, buddy. Uh, I really appreciate this. And I, we'll have to do this again. I really enjoyed this conversation. Next time we'll get Ryan on with us, too. I'd like to pick his brain a little bit as well. Yeah, it's been incredible, Craig. I really appreciate you and uh, I've been really enjoying getting to know you and I uh, appreciate all that the bad Roman is doing. So keep up the good work, man. I appreciate that. It's one of my favorite aspects of this project is I get to meet people like you that I may have never met before in my life. So it's, it's really kind of cool how we can connect that way. All right, buddy. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us this week on the Bad Roman Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts to never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, it really helps people find us. 100% of donations are given to local charities in Memphis, Tennessee. To learn more about The Bad Roman Project and to find show notes, please visit thebadroman.com. <laughs>